Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Dr. Epps, you have done um, a tremendous amount of work uh, in terms of building uh, awareness um, and and even uh, education, building capacity uh, around uh, dementia, and in particular dementia um, in the community. So you're really, uh, really helping uh, people in the community, uh, families and caregivers, better understand uh, the disease and to some degree what I even heard, you know, in earlier conversations, give um, advice and uh, resources that really support living um, with dementia. And I think one of the most interesting things that I remember was learning about the different types of dementia. Can you talk to us first, just kind of shed some light? Yes, yes. Um, So, and that's what a lot of people don't um, realize, that there are several different types. There are are over 70 types of dementia. Wow. A lot of of people just hear the word Alzheimer's disease, and they just group everything underneath that. However, that's just the most common type of dementia, but that's not the only type. Um, The next most common type is vascular dementia and then Lewy body dementia. Those two are like neck and neck with the most common. And vascular dementia, I mean, if it's okay, I can take a little time and just talk about what each is. Please. Okay. So vascular dementia is um, related to when there's a decline in thinking skills that's caused by conditions that block and reduce the blood flow to the brain. So all those vascular um, diseases, chronic illnesses such as hypertension, diabetes, stroke, many strokes, <laughs> um, all of that over time, when that is uncontrolled and not managed well, mm-hmm. that leads to vascular dementia. So when we're thinking that, uh, you know, we worry about poor circulation here or our sugar going high and all that stuff, we're looking at those immediate effects, but we're not realizing 10 and 15 years down the line that that also blocks blood flow to our brain, mm. and that's the vascular dementia. And then that's what a lot of minority racial groups have. Mm. So the 
black and those of Hispanic origin because of people are saying because of our lifestyle. Um, that's what we're ha- having. So the new thing is we need to start changing our lifestyle, start eating right, start exercising and, and taking care of our heart and results. You'll be taking care of your brain. So that's the vascular dementia piece. Um, and then Louis body dementia, this one is a little bit different. It's, um, it's a progressive form of dementia, and it has, like, deposits, abnormal microscopic deposits um, that damage the brain cells. And so this one is a little bit different. It's hard to diagnose. And out of all of the 70 types of dementia that's out there, each cause is a little bit different. Like, there's a different reason for each kind of dementia. And um, I, I like to tell people... Dementia is like a food type. It's just a big category. Dementia itself is just classification of the the conditions of memory loss that mm-hmm. interfere with your daily life. Remember that. It has to interfere with your daily life. Mm-hmm. If I have memory loss, but it don't interfere with my daily life, you know, sometimes I can get so stressed out and I will forget things. And I always tell people that that happens. But when it interferes with your daily life where you leave the stove on and you burn up the kitchen or you forgot to forget to go pick up your kid uh, or you drive and you forget all of a sudden where you was driving to. Those are things that interfere with your daily life, not just losing your keys and finding it an hour later. Not that. So I try to make sure we I'm kind of clear on that. And there's different types of dementia. And like I said, that Alzheimer's disease is the most common. You have vascular dementia, Lewy body. You can have, um, Mixed dementia, and mixed dementia is where it's all kind of diseases that's causing this dementia. Wow. Um, so it can get real complicated. Uh, there's another common one is frontal lobe, frontal temporal dementia. People call it frontal lobe dementia. And that's where you'll see people with um, brain injuries, mm-hmm. um, maybe been in motor vehicle accidents that had that front impact that injured, the, you know, that they hit the front. And then over time, they can see that, and it, it messes with the lobe of the brain, the, um, the temporal lobe, mm-hmm. and then the frontal lobe. And those persons exhibit different signs and symptoms. Those are they're very moody. They are very have aggressive behavior. Um, so we always tell people if you think that you have memory loss interfering with your daily life, please go see the doctor, so they can help you diagnose because there's so many different types. And everybody will manage it different. And we always tell a, a patient, one patient with a, with a form of dementia is only one patient with a form of dementia. Nobody is the same. I and you can tell by me just describing mm-hmm. some of these yeah. types, just don't know what you would get. Some people wander, some people don't. Some people start cursing when they never cursed before. Um some people, their memory doesn't progress. I mean, the loss of their memory is not as progressive as others. So it just, it just, it. It just varies, and I, that's why it's very important to speak with the doctor. I really appreciate that. Can you? I, w- I want to talk a little bit. I know you have done a lot of work with the faith-based communities, and so we definitely want to get to that. But before we get to that, I think there's so much light you can really shed on um, tools and resources to just assist uh, families and caregivers of identifying when their loved one 
um, likely needs to go uh, to see a physician uh, because uh, they're experiencing some of these um, um, symptoms that you you describe. You know, I can't tell you the. I I remember um, another family member talking about you know an experience where his mother, who never cursed in her entire life, would never use foul language. Um, you know, just would all of a sudden you know begin to. Uh, you know, used that type of language. She was forgetting things. Uh, and it was, you know, uh, they attributed to, you know, a lot of the chaos going on uh, in the family. But at the same time, to, to hear you, you know, it could very well have been, you know, some type of onset of, of dementia. I have another very close friend um, who has been uh, uh, diagnosed, and her the progression of the disease has been very difficult for her. And as a matter of fact, I, she called me a couple weeks ago, and she said, "Tasha, I just want to talk because I don't I don't think I can talk to anyone in my family about what I'm experiencing." And it was because of that level of embarrassment that she was feeling mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and she was feeling so sensitive and it was a very vulnerable position for her. And so she was, you know, just wrecking her, her heart and her brain trying to find someone that she thought that she could just be transparent with about the way mm-hmm. she felt and what she was experiencing. And so, you know, I think, you know, uh, um, because she was aware, at least that she had been diagnosed. But, but the, the, what concerned me about my conversation with her was, I wonder if it was progressing much faster, and that she was aware of that. But yet, mm-hmm. but yet, others around her may not have been as sensitive to what she was experiencing. Can you, you know, maybe shed some light on resources, places families should go? Um, whether it's calling your cell phone, no, I'm just playing, Doctor. We ain't gonna call your cell phone, but you know, what are what are those things that we should be telling families right. to really increase so their awareness? Co- okay, you covered so much right there. You covered a lot. Um, so before I get to resources, I wonder, can I just quickly say what those key, ten key signs are that you can recognize in yourself or someone else? Yes, I love it. Let's go and, there. Okay. And so you did talk about the change in mood and personality. That is a sign. Mm -hmm. And, again, everything that I mentioned, it can also be caused by something else. That's why it's always good to go seek help. Right. I'm going to go get to the doctor. So change in mood and personality, you gave the perfect example Mm -hmm. about cursing and never cursed before. Mm -hmm. Second one is withdrawal from work and social activities. So that social butterfly always was part of the sorority or fraternity, and all of a sudden doesn't want to go to the meetings. That's something to pay attention to. At work, all of a sudden they don't want to go eat in the break room, what they always did, because they start recognizing changes in them, and they don't want to be around others. Um, The next one is decrease or poor judgment. And so this is when they're giving away money mm, or going mm-hmm. to buy that, that bright orange Camaro. Oh, wow. And okay. Years old. Um, so this is those those behaviors where some people, like, I know at my age, we might say, oh, they, they're going through menopause <laughs> or yeah. uh, midlife crisis right. or something like that. We're saying that. Right. Um, but, you know, we have to be mindful because 
those are some that's poor judgment. Mm. And um, the salespeople, they, as long as you can sign, right? They, mm-hmm. They're not about to give you a cognitive test. The next one is misplacing things and unable to retrace your steps. Mm-hmm. And so that is misplacing your glasses, your wallet, your purse. Those are the key things. Um, and you never can find them. And then you start accusing people of stealing it. And then the, the cousin comes over six months later and she finds the purse on the top of the closet mm. or finds mm. the glass underneath the patio chair outside. So that that is another sign when you see someone that's starting to say, oh, uh, so-and-so took my wallet, I can't find my wallet. You know, that is that. New problems with words speak. So they'll start getting their words mixed up. They'll tell you to... Um, hand me the microwave instead of saying hand me the remote control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something to pay attention to and then also their writing will change oh wow i didn't know Um, that one yeah so their writing and it's and i always tell uh daughters and sons when you go visit your parents even when i go visit my mom i want to go look at her diabetes log because she logs in this every day and so this is where you can see how consistent she is with her writing and all of a sudden, if she's starting to write sideways or running off the page, you might want to pay attention to that and mm. just don't think, oh, that's nothing. So it's, it's things like that. Um, the other thing is the vision changes. So a person will start getting into a lot of accidents. So they're going to come home with the car with a lot of beans on it, y'all. Um, and they're going to say, oh, the, the basket, somebody just hit it, but that's them. Because as you have dementia, it depends on a part of the brain, it starts narrowing your vision field. Mm. And so you don't see that's why driving becomes very dangerous. And, of course, confusion with the time and place. They have problems completing that recipe. So something they always do, they always make that sweet potato pie. They can do it with their eyes closed. Then all of a sudden they don't know what to do um, after they uh, put the sugar in. You know, so they just lose track of stuff or making coffee. And all of a sudden they get to the coffee machine and they just stare at it. Mm-hmm. So that's an example. And then problem solving, um, it's hard for them to pay the bills. They, you know, somebody that was really on it always paid their bills. All of a sudden, they're not paying the bills. And again, I tell children to pay attention to that because you're thinking mom and dad is taking care of the bills, but sometimes that's not happening. I've been in families, well, that don't happen. And by the time they find out, the house is up for foreclosure. You know, so again, that was the parents not being able to problem solve. Um, so it's just something to, um, and then overall, any memory loss that disrupts daily life. And I kind of gave an example of that. So, mm. um, and you gave some examples of some things. Mm. So again, it's really important because dementia causes this, but there's also depression that can cause this. Um, urinary tract infections can cause this. Those other diseases as well that can cause some of these symptoms. So. You just got to be mindful and check it out. Um, I'm going to give the resource number because if you think that you start to experience any of this at any time of the day, of the week, it does not matter. The Alzheimer's Association has a 1-800 number where a licensed counselor answers the phone. Mm. So if it's midnight and you just have all of these questions, you call them and they can answer and then if you're in a certain area and you have no idea, well, who do I go to? Who's the geriatrician? Or do I need to go to a neuropsychologist? I mean, where do I go? You call them, and they have a resource list for your area. Um, 
mostly every state has an Alzheimer's Association, but the 1-800 number is 1-800-272-3900. 1-800-272-3900, and that's the Alzheimer's Foundation. Yeah, and that's 24-7. I know some of my colleagues, now y'all, they just call them because they, they might want to know the latest information or whatever because they have mostly everything at their fingertips. Awesome. Um, and so we always tell people that should be your number one num- number one uh, place you go as soon as you start recognizing something. Or even if you're in the midst of caregiving and you just you just need someone to talk to, you need someone to be transparent, somebody that's not, not a favor, anybody's side, they're there to listen as well and give you tactics and some strategies for you. So that's the number one resource um, that I would recommend no matter where you're located, to call that number. Awesome. That's that is so important. You know, I, for me, my mom has had uh, multiple strokes, and listening to you as you went through all the warning signs, I was thinking back as you were talking that the signs were there, but we missed them because we weren't looking for them or didn't have the education. So I think it's extremely important especially in our communities of color that we start this conversation and build that awareness because there is a great deal of shame around this disease process. And I know from my mother's perspective, she has retreated from the family and doesn't want to really interact with anybody because of that amount of shame of this disease. And so I think as, as patient partner innovation community, we have a charge to really get out and educate our communities for those warning signs, because had we known those warning signs, maybe we could have intervened a whole lot earlier before things got so severe. So thank you for um, sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And and that's the whole point of me going into the churches, because I really want, like you said, the community with the color, and I really focus in the African-American community right now because my own family didn't know about it. I didn't. Y'all, I had a Ph.D., and I did not know how this was impacting my community mm-hmm. and I really I'm like no that, that's for white people and because that's what I was raised that's what I was told mm-hmm. and if we experienced any mental issues or something like that you know you always were put to the side or mm-hmm. they just contrary you know you just come up with all kind of things not knowing that this is really it and that's why I really took this on because I was like no I can't I cannot believe this is really hitting home like this and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I shared before, like my aunt was, she died in her home, locked up in her home because nobody, she was so contrary. That's what we said. Um, we left her alone because she didn't like nobody to come there. She's always fucking cursing. Oh, you know, <laughs> she yeah. told people that we're just going to leave her alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then look what happened. But if we really would have recognized that she had dementia, if her daughter would have opened up, and told people, because her daughter knew and lived out of state, but she didn't share it. But if mm-hmm. she would have opened up and told, then the neighborhood could have came together. And they let my aunt just push them away. They would have maybe yeah. been, you know, looked at her a little bit more. Um, I think we all would have did things a little bit different if we would have known. Um, mm-hmm. But, and I've seen some of the signs, and even my, my other aunt was like, no. We don't get that, and she don't have that. She's been like that all her life. And I'm like, no. As I'm getting more into the the literature, 
I'm like, no, she's really, it's different now. It's different. So, and so um, it's, I'm glad you shared that. So, Dr. Epps, can you talk to us specifically about the work that you've been doing within the faith community and um, with respects to if there's a church um, that's listening um, to this podcast or a minister that's listening to this podcast, uh, what opportunities they might have to partner with you? Yes. And so, um, like I was saying, my goal is to be in the community. And I chose to work with the churches because, you know, that has been the, the um, how can I say, the the block <laughs> or the cornerstone of the um, community. Mm-hmm. And I said, where best to go is to go to the churches. And so I get with churches, and they are very honest with me. They don't know anything. You know, they've heard of Alzheimer's. Some of them have, some of them haven't. And I provide education. I, you know, I give them a little bit of what's going on, how it's impacting our community, and I give them examples of what they may see in church. And more than likely, it would be like, yes, I see that. You know, and once they realize that they have members in their church like this, and I tell them how important you need to, how we need to support them and be a partner. You know, my goal is for the church to be part of the care partner team. Um, and it, it takes a village. And so I work with the churches by educating the ministry leaders and then um, the congregants and also the community that they're in about understanding dementia in their community. And then I also have a workshop that's specifically for the church leaders on how to um, communicate with the families. Uh, we do role play, you know, because I want them to see how they can really support these families and have the families come back to the church, those that are not, and be more engaged and really feel that they can get that support from the church. And the church can really feel like they're competent enough to provide that support. And so that's my overall is really starting working with the churches that are committed to start this journey to become dementia-friendly. And so I call it a dementia-friendly faith village. And right now I'm in the Atlanta area, and I'm working with three churches that have committed, because it takes a commitment, because you have to do education throughout the year. Your leaders have to get trained, um, ushers. We are working with them to modify worship services, because things just need to be a little bit different and change some structure a little bit in the church, like put signs up, the lighting needs to be different. So it's a lot of things that have to go on. And um, me and my team, we work with the churches to support them um, with that. And so that's my overall project. And then the research piece is I follow the families, the families that will allow me to come to church with them and follow them to see if this really makes a difference in their life. And thus far, I've seen significant results. Even caregivers, I had someone tell me this week, I really, when we come to church, she started going to church without telling me. Because before, you, you, they would tell me we was going to go so I can come with them. Mm-hmm. And they just was going, and she said, you know, I really think my husband is fooling me. I said, what? She said, because when we come to church, he just is just as with the program as he can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he gets up and he talks, and she said, and that has never happened, even at his previous church. You know, and so that made me feel good, but then in return, it made her feel good because she can now come to an environment where she can relax and also worship, and then she knows her husband is worshiping and enjoying it as well. 
Mm. Um, and so that's how I'm working with the faith communities, and then that's the research piece that I've embedded in it. Did I kind of address your question? Oh yeah, that's in, that's incredible. So, I, and Desiree usually uh, has this question, but I'm gonna uh, take my punch <laughs> at it. So, if there's one um, bit of advice, Doctor Epps, that you would want to share with the community about how uh, to better engage and advocate uh, for persons with dementia. What is that? What, what, what advice would that be? If it's one advice that yeah. I want to share with the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. community about engaging with people, um, those with dementia. Mm-hmm. So my one advice would be is that just because someone has dementia does not mean that they are not able to do, they're not able to do things. Um, we have to find out there's different stages and everybody wants to live their fullest all the way to the end. And we need to find out what are those activities meaningful for them that they can still participate in so they can still feel good and still be happy and feel like a person because they know that things are changing within them. So we don't want to take everything away. And that's what happens a lot. They lose their job. The, the kids take them out their home. You know, it's, it's so much that happens to them. And I just want to tell people, if you have a family member or friend, try to find out what they still can do and have them participate in meaningful activities because they still have a voice up until the end. And that's what my goal is, to have some meaningful engagement, meaningful activities for the families to do. That's awesome. That's that would be my advice. That was great. So if um, I know that Telesavvy, because I've actually looked into this for my own mother's care. So could you give us the website of Telesavvy and how can patients and caregivers contact you or faith-based organizations? Is there an email address or a phone number somewhere for them to get in contact with you so that they can bring this to their community? Yes, yes. And then you mentioned Telly Savvy. Um, it's another project I'm part of, and it's an online caregiving education program, um, a research program, but it's to teach caregivers um, caregiving strategies. Because some, many people are just placed in this, um, especially a lot of people um, in their 40s. Uh, now they're becoming caregivers now, and they have no clue what to do. And so this program is an online. You don't have to leave your job. You don't have to leave work. You meet once a week for, you know, over seven weeks, and you can learn strategies and what to expect and how to communicate with people. And so that's the gist of the Telly Savvy. And um, I can give you one number, which is my number, because I'm on, I'm part of both projects, and then I can direct. So even for the faith-based, if you're interested in getting more information about um having churches become dementia-friendly or working with me in the Atlanta area. And I'm open to going outside of Georgia or the Telly Savvy program, which is the caregiving education program. You can call me at 404-413-1204. One two zero four. Awesome, and, and then you have me. a uh, you have an email address. You said. 
Yeah, yeah, and I have a website because Telly Savvy has their own website, and tellysavvy dot org. So you would go to T E L E S A V V Y dot org, and it'll take you straight to that site. And for those that like to email <laughs> and not call, <laughs> you can uh, you can email at F as in Frank. E T P S at G S U dot E D U. Perfect. Well, I know I appreciate the work that you're doing because this has hit very close to home and kind of been thrown into a whirlwind trying to figure this out. So I appreciate all the work they're doing and we'll aggressively look at bringing that program here to Texas. Oh. I appreciate it, and um, thank you all for giving me this opportunity and this platform to talk about um, dementia, including Alzheimer's disease, and all the research that I'm doing. Thank you so much, Dr. Debs. We so appreciate the work that you're doing, and we look forward to uh, bringing you back on and reengaging you at a later at a later time. Thanks again. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. 